Welcome back to Black Culture, Black Thought, the podcast where we examine the events and how they relate to Black culture, history, theory, and thought. I'm Jody, and I'm here with my ladies, Chelsea and Francesca. Say hey. Hey, hey. Hey, everyone. So for this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to have a first-person account of a protest that Chelsea attended in New Orleans last week that ended up becoming violent. So we're going to go into that, and Chelsea, take it away. All right. Thank you. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know why. Um, never did like a first person account, but it is a story that I, not even a story, it's an experience that I think it's really important to tell. Like the rest of the country here in New Orleans, there has been demonstrations and these demonstrations have been really organized by four different collectives. The New Orleans Workers Group, Take Them Down NOLA, New Orleans Hospitality Workers, and the People's Assembly. They came together and organized seven days of action starting on Saturday, May 30th, and concluding Friday, June 5th. I personally haven't been to a protest since Donald Trump got elected. For me, that was just, it became too much to do. Um, those spaces, what used to be a place of love and me being and going to protest and protesting from a place of love turned into me going to protest and protesting from a place of hate. And it just mm-hmm. didn't feel good. And I don't know what was different about this moment that transitioned me from going from like, from going from love to hate, from hate to love. And I just felt it in my heart. And I felt that from a place of love, I need to go to this protest and stand up for my people. So I went to a rally on Wednesday, June 3rd. And the protest started at Duncan Plaza, which is located across the street from City Hall. And I just wanted to point out like who organizes this protest, where it's located, and the significance of it being across City Hall. Because I think when we think of protests, or at least when they get portrayed in the media, it's being portrayed so in a way that these protests and demonstrations are so unorganized that they're causing mayhem and they're not really thought out. And that's just not true. These are four very prominent groups in New Orleans that organized it. And these groups have been organizing for quite a while and have done really great things for the city. Take them down. NOLA has led the charge of taking down Confederate monuments and they have been successful in that. So anyways, I go to this protest on Wednesday and it really consists of the rally. The first part of the protest consists of organizers from these organizations, from these collectives, speaking on different issues that pertain to the continued oppression of black people. Some spoke on the need to end capitalism, the need to remove Confederate monuments, divest from police and reinvest in education, amongst many other topics. So younger activists organized the protest march to take place after the rally. It started off relatively peaceful. There were a few protesters calling for more stronger action, some violent action, and the organizers really shut that shit down immediately. And they didn't do so, and I think this is really important, they didn't do so by crucifying those who wanted to get violent because I think that that's an important thing to realize that that's a a tactic in these types of rebellions. Violence has a place in any revolution that's being had. The civil rights movement would not have made the gains that it had made if it wasn't for the threat of violence. Right. 
And yeah, like seriously, I think people like to like, you know, Mm -hmm. look at the civil rights movement and think Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther King would not have been Martin Luther King if it wasn't for Malcolm X, if it wasn't for the Black Panthers. Mm. So And Stokely Carmichael. Yeah, Stokely Carmichael. Mm -hmm. So they didn't crucify or, you know, call out really anybody who wanted to get violent. Instead, they said that we were not organized for violence. That type of protest takes a certain amount of organizing, a certain type of gathering. I don't think you do it with thousands of people. I think you do it in smaller numbers, and it's targeting certain buildings very purposefully. That's not what this was, and they shut that shit down. Good. And they yeah, yeah, because it could really cause a lot of um, chaos. It could cause a lot of people to get hurt and yeah. for the point to get lost, basically. Mm-hmm. And they said that this protest will be remaining peaceful. And it did. So we marched from Duncan Plaza, which is located downtown, to St. Charles Avenue. Um, From St. Charles Avenue, we marched uptown to Jackson Avenue, turned on Jackson, and made our way to Magazine Street so we could go back downtown. So we basically did like a big U. And I call out these street names because these are really street names that have a lot of traffic, we're trying to get as many people see, like seeing this protest, joining this protest, gathering people along the way, building our numbers as we march. And we marched back downtown because we wanted to go on the Crescent City Connection, which is a highway elevated over 100 feet off the ground. And it's at this point that we see police officers, really. Before this, police officers were kind of like, around the protest, but like not really, there wasn't a present. You might see like one police car, two police cars. I don't see, think I've seen more than three police cars at any given time during the protest. That all changed when we got on the bridge. We are met with a police line that's in riot gear. That's really like, I don't know how many police officers are there, but a lot of police officers are there in riot gear, ready to stop us from marching. Hmm. So yeah, so we meet this police line on the bridge and they stop us from crossing the bridge. And there's a standoff. I am not at the front line for this. I am probably, ooh, I would say about maybe 200 feet away from the front line. So I'm pretty far back. I am not up in police space. So I don't know what's being said there, but we stay on the bridge for about 40 minutes. We don't know what's happening. Then all of a sudden we hear a message from the front line and it's an organizer. And they say that if we continue to go forward, that we will be met with violence. That's what the police are telling them. Um, We could hear her over a microphone. And I think this is actually pretty cool. We hear her over a microphone giving this message and she's also streaming it on her Instagram. And people are able to like kind of tap into our Instagram live and hear what's going on. So like, I think it's kind of cool to see how technology is aiding in these protest movements Mm -hmm. and how social media is really like, protests have transformed. Uh, Mm -hmm. We find out about them through social media and they maintain organization while we're actually protesting. Mm -hmm. So we hear over social media that she is saying that the police said that if we keep going, that they will shoot us, they will tear gas us. And it's at this point that me and my friends who I went to the protest with start looking for a space where if this were to happen, where can we be the safest? And this is also another strategy. So we're protesting during COVID, you know, and a strategy for protests in order to keep safe if we met with police violence 
is to tighten up. And that means you get as close to each other as possible. So that way the police cannot penetrate, cannot penetrate the protest line and cannot break through and like get individual protesters. If you're on the outside of this, that means you're getting hurt probably the most, but people on the inside will be protected. Um, it's at this point that we get calls for white allies who are at the protest to go to the front and form a barrier around black protesters, because we know that also police will hurt black people a lot more than what they will hurt white people. So some go forward, not all white people go forward, but some do. And me and my friends, we kind of go to the center of the protests in the middle of it. So that way, if there were to be bullets fly, like flying rubber bullets, if there were to be tear gas, it's not getting directly on us. Call that a coward move. I don't know. Self-preservation kind of kicked in at that point. So as we're moving, though, and finding a new space, that's when we see the tear gas in the air. And for me, really at this moment, everything freezes. I had another friend who moved forward towards the front of the line and my instinct was like, is he okay? What's happening? And I think it froze for like, I would say like maybe five seconds of like, oh shit, they're tear gassing us. And then mayhem begins and everybody starts running. Mind you, we are on a bridge that is a hundred feet off the ground. People have been tear gassed. They can't breathe. They can't see. People are running very easily. A stampede has taken place. The stampede probably lasts a couple of seconds to like, I don't know, 30 seconds, maybe a minute at most. But I think nobody really got seriously hurt from the stampede. Everybody starts screaming out, walk, walk, walk. And that's what people start doing. They start walking off the bridge as quickly as possible. I have a really hard time describing this point because I tell you, my mind went blank. Mm. It was, and it went blank for many reasons because it, it was very clear that we were under attack. And I think we see these protests happen on TV. We see people getting tear gassed on TV, but to actually be there and experience police officers meet peacefulness meet people who are saying, we just want to continue marching because we want our message to be heard. And for them to say no, and we are going to tear gas you, not because you're being physically violent, but because you are not listening to us and you're not following the orders that we give you, which is what you do in a protest. You don't protest against the system with, like you don't protest with the system against the system. You know what I mean? You protest against the system. You protest against their demands. You don't follow their demands while you're doing a protest. So to have that be met with tear gas, really kind of like, I don't even know what happened. I just know that my my friend grabbed me to get me off the bridge because I really froze. I like was standing there like panicked. wide-eyed like deer in headlights like what the fuck is happening so i'm gonna let her explain this for you guys so here's dana explaining that moment when they released the tear gas and her reaction to it i was uh, standing in the protest on the bridge with a few of my friends and at that point i think we had been there for maybe about 45 minutes it could have been a little bit longer and at that time, we were starting to feel a little bit restless or, or kind of curious and eager to know what would happen if there would be pushing forward, if there would be you know, kneeling with, with the police, like kind of what would happen next or if it potentially would get violent. 
and we were able to hear, um, since we were kind of in the back, um, some of the black leaders in the front using um, other people's cell phones to let us know what was going on on the front lines. So we heard that um, the police basically were saying that if we moved any bit forward, um, you know, they would, the words that we heard were they would be beaten down and they would shoot at us. So we heard that and it was a little confusing. We weren't sure exactly, you know, what that meant, how heightened this was, you know, what um, kind of what the energy was in the front. We were just being informed, you know, what would, options would be. Um, and then you know, a few moments later, we saw tear gas and there was about one to two minutes of, of a stampede, which was, which was really terrifying. It might've only been a minute or even 30 seconds, but it was absolutely terrifying. So we saw the tear gas and we were, we were more towards the back. So um, definitely saw it coming towards us, but we did not, oh, I personally did not um, experience any of the tear gas you know, on me or, or in, you know, in my eyes or on my skin. Um, but it was absolutely, it was absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the scariest things you know, I've ever been involved in kind of that moment of, of panic um, was was really a lot. So, you know, we grabbed, you know, grabbed my friends and, you know, tried to make it out as quickly as possible. Um, thankfully, the crowd did, um, you know, calm down collectively. There was, you know, people were saying, don't run, don't run, stay calm, stay calm. So it really was only maybe 30 seconds to a minute um, that was, you know, really heightened and really, really scary. So, you know, that's pretty much, you know, what happened from my perspective that I can recall, but it was a heavy, a heavy moment, mm -hmm. you know, a heavy moment. Um, yeah. And I know for myself, that moment, like, I think in that moment, like time froze, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then it was mm -hmm. also like a lot of thinking happening and a lot of processing mm -hmm. of like, we are being attacked by the police. Mm -hmm. What was your thinking of that moment in the moment, if you can remember? That's exactly what I thought, too. Um, also, right before that happened, they had some of the, the leaders of the protests coming through the protest with megaphones saying, this is not going to be violent. We're not here to be violent. We're not organized for violence. This is not our purpose. Um, so it was sort of a... Um, it was a little bit unclear what what the what the move would be because there was a bit of tension in the air. You know, we'd been standing there for a while. Again, we were wondering whether, you know, we were. I was thinking maybe we'll just stay here through the night. Maybe we'll sit down and sleep here. We're just gonna, you know, stand strong, not move. Um, and it was a lot of people who were who have never been in this space before. Kind of people who just decided to become a part of this for the first time. So. I didn't feel necessarily like the group together was, you know, prepared for anything but being present in that moment and feeling or seeing the tear gas and all of that. It was, yeah, it was terrifying. It felt, it was a, yeah, it was a big, it was a big, you know, blow having seen the night before that um, some of the police did kneel with the protesters, seeing what the, or hearing and watching what the mayor had to say. It felt like maybe something, you know, beautiful could have happened in that space. So that's really why I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there to, to protest, take a stand, but also maybe to witness some momentum, some needle moving in the right direction. Um, so when, tear gas happened when there was that panic it, 
it was terrifying. It absolutely felt like we were being unjustly attacked. And it was just incredibly, yeah, in, incredibly scary. You know, they put thousands of people's lives at risk yeah. is really what it felt like. Um, so, uh, you know, whether or not there was someone or a handful of people that sort of stepped forward or tried to break their bar barrier, you know, that could have happened. Maybe that did happen, which instigated their tear gas. But they were basically an army of police with shields, with weapons. There would, there would have been a better way than to put thousands of people's lives who were standing on a bridge um, peacefully protesting. They, I just felt that they put our, our lives at risk and it was dehumanizing. It was terrifying. It, it was, yeah. I'm glad I was there, but at the same time, I wish I didn't experience it. Didn't experience what happened, basically. Wow, that was sounds really intense. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah, so it really was crazy. And so we get off the bridge and... I'm there, I think, foolishly thinking that I'm going to be able to spot my friend who went closer to the um, the police line in the mass of like in the mix of like thousands of people trying to get off this bridge. Um, so I don't spot him. I eventually give that that up. And then we start walking home. I'm calling my friend. I'm able to get through. He's OK. I get home and I kind of just like knock out because we seriously walked like over 12 miles for that protest getting to the protest and getting back home from the protest we walked 12 miles and i was exhausted um and i slept without sleeping like it was one of those times where i knew that i just like knocked out and was like too drained and too physically drained and too emotionally drained to even like feel rested in the morning like you know what i mean <laughs> so i'm checking the mayor's twitter i'm checking the mayor's instagram account to hear what she has to say about what happened and eventually she releases a statement and I must admit that I was extremely disappointed. What's your reaction to the police using tear gas against the protesters on Wednesday night? My reaction, yes, my reaction is that our officers are trained to respond but yet are not followed and when there is a deliberate choice uh, to confront uh, and to overstep the guidelines that have been articulated by law enforcement, then our department is trained. But let me tell you, effective policing in terms of community policing and practices have been demonstrated by the New Orleans Police Department from day one. So um, we're going to continue to do that um, as we act swiftly and accountability goes across all lines. That builds trust in our community and this community, this city, has been working for years to build that trust. And we're not going to allow, we're not going to allow an event to have a meaning to escalate, push us off and knock us down when we have been building community and trust for years. So she practically just blamed you guys for inciting um, aggression or aggravating the cops like literally they could have done anything besides doing that so that's kind of crazy and her response was absolutely crazy <laughs> um with that response how did you guys respond to that so the mayor said like 
in addition to saying that demands were not the demands were made and we did not meet the demands or to follow the rules so therefore they had to escalate violence she also said that we kind of were inciting violence and we weren't um some people had broke through the police line but that was like the only thing that was violent that happened on that night so but I feel like for me, not having lived in New Orleans for more than a couple of months, I wanted to ask people who lived here what their reactions were. So I asked my friend who spoke earlier, Dana, what she felt like and what she was she surprised by the mayor's words. And this is what she had to say. That was so upsetting, so disheartening. It felt like, a, you know, a stab in the back um, when I heard that again knowing the night before that the police had milled with their protesters, seeing the things that the mayor was tweeting in support of the protests, in support of, you know, standing with um, the people of New Orleans and our right to you know, speak and uplift our voices. It, I, was, I was shocked and I was just incredibly disappointed at the very, you know, at the very least. Um, it, it didn't feel right. It felt like we were betrayed. It felt like gosh it was just it was it was incredibly disappointing because I completely disagree like having been there um, it was they made it violent they took it to the next level they put our lives into jeopardy you know thousands of people who are who are not used to being in you know in this space who are new to this um, the group our group was definitely not prepared for violence and that wasn't the intention so to hear the mayor um, support the police in their actions, you know, was it made me lose faith in her leadership, which was very disappointing. Because up until then, I'd been very proud about how New Orleans was handling COVID nineteen, was handling the protests, um, and it felt I was very proud of the city, and it felt like a safe space to express, you know, express these things and to express solidarity with um, Minneapolis, and that just. You know, it changed in that in that moment, and I was wondering, you know, what was her motivation for siding with the police? You know, what stake did she have in the police's support or in the constituents who, you know, really were pushing for Blue Lives Matter and, you know, really wanting to amp up law enforcement as opposed to defund or break down that structure? So it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I felt I couldn't believe that she was condoning the use of tear gas. Something that is illegal in other or in other contexts, definitely unethical. Um, we've seen in other settings people being killed, um, having asthma attacks, and things along those lines. It just seemed it was a horrible thing to have done to a large crowd of um, a diverse crowd, a lot of young people, children, and I was shocked that she condoned that behavior by that decision by the by the police, and it just made me think. It just for me, it became all too clear that there's multiple levers, le levels of, of power and influence um, at play that, that's sort of an onion that we're getting layer by layer, but it goes really deep in ways that I think a lot of us um, are just beginning to, to understand. So now you decided to head out to another protest after that protest became violent on the bridge. What made you you know, get over any sort of anxieties that you had to get back out there. So that protest happened on Wednesday. I took Thursday off because 
12 miles was a lot to walk for me. Um, and I was just really tired and also really anxious. And I knew that I had to contend with whether or not, not even whether or not I was going to go back out and protest. I knew that I had to, I knew that I couldn't be intimidated. And I knew that's exactly what they wanted to do was intimidate people to go back out. I do want to say that the protest that happened the next day, that Thursday protest drew in even more people. So I think seeing the amount of people that came to that Thursday protest was just like, you know what, Chelsea, suck it up. I And Meghan Markle, don't, don't call me corny, but Meghan Markle um, did her graduation 2020 speech. And she said something that like her teacher said to her when she was like 11 years old. And she's like, her teacher said, you can't let the fear you have prevent you from helping people and meeting people's mm-hmm. needs. And I think that that was really something like, I can't let this fear that I have with being helped, tased, or hit with rubber bullets or tear gas by police officers when I know that I could I could be shoot by a police officer. I someone I love can be killed by a police officer. So if I'm going to meet violence by a police officer, and every time by me, I think something within the black community that we have is a like linked experience, a shared experience. So George Floyd is personal to me. Breonna Taylor is personal to me. Ahmaud Arbery personal to me. So when I say I, I mean us. I don't want us to be met by police violence. I'd rather us be met with us fighting and beat police violence that way and protesting versus us living our lives in the normal and every day and then have us just meet police violence trying to buy something at a store, you know? So it was just one of those things that I knew I had to get over and go back out. And so I didn't go out Friday. I didn't Thursday and I didn't go out Friday because Friday I'm organizing meetings and I'm having a lot of conversations around this and I organized a meeting for that time and I couldn't go but I did go I did it I didn't go I made tear gas packets and I brought that to protesters because I just wanted people to be safe if we're going to go out fighting we need to go out fighting prepared if they're going to tear gas us we're going to have shit to make sure that that shit doesn't burn our eyes and we could get the fuck out of there and still see so that way we could come back and reorganize again immediately. So I didn't go out Thursday or Friday, but I did go out Saturday. And I just, I spoke with my mom and she's somebody who's taking COVID extremely serious. And like every time I go to the supermarket or leave my house, she's yelling at me to not leave my house, to not go to the supermarket. And she said, Chelsea, you being there is really important and you need to go. Mm. And she knew that for me, it was something that my heart was telling me to do. And she knew that also it's important that people show up in this moment. And I think hearing that from my mom was really kind of just like, you know, it's like, all right, I got to go. And I didn't know what the protest was going to be like. The Thursday and Friday protests did not turn violent. I wasn't sure if the Saturday protest was going to turn violent or not, because I just, I just wasn't sure. Like, you know, it's the weekend. I was exactly sure how it was meant. But it wasn't violent. It was actually quite awesome. And so, yeah, so I go to the protest on Saturday, June 6th. And this protest was not organized by the four groups that organized the seven-day protest before. This was organized by two college students. And they're really dope. And this is what they had to say during the protest. 
So my name is Melanie Medina, M as in mom, E as in elephant, L as in low, A as in airplane, N as in no, I as in ice, fuck ice. <laughs> So right now, we only have a Twitter established. You can go follow us for any updates as to any actions that are going to be taking place in the city, as well as all throughout the U.S. It's called, it's at Rays of Love March, R-A-Y-S, like the rays of sun, but rays of love. And what demands do you guys have? We want the police task force either to apply better methods of employment and figure out you know what people are going to be better serving our community or just to defund them and pass that money down to the children who need it the the resources that we need to educate our children and to make our community flourish President. and how long have you been an organizer for two weeks and what brought you what brought this out i'm just tired of our people getting killed please stop killing us we just want to be treated humanly we're not asking for much. We just want us to be considered. Don't treat us like we have a target on our back, and don't treat us like our skin is a weapon because you cannot weaponize my complexion. So these two organizers who are college students who became organizers two weeks ago are running on a platform. They have demands, and they managed to bring out thousands of protesters, among which was actor Kofi Cerebo. And I got to talk to him. What brought you out here today? Man, I'm just here to support our people. You know, I'm here to educate myself and be on the front lines. Like, you know, I'm an artist, so a lot of my work is uh, done behind closed doors. And, um, you know, I wish I was a musician for the fact that I get to actually experience the mm -hmm. people's, you know, exchange. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just out here to really submerse myself in us. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, to just represent yeah. the bullshit that's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't think anybody's too good to be on the front line, be on the streets. Like right now, there's a lot of shit going on in the world that needs to be highlighted. And um, I'm going to continue to use my platform and my presence, you know what I'm, I'm saying, to do that. So that's why I'm at with it. Thank you. And what do you think people who have a platform should be doing? Uh, educating themselves. You know, I don't want I don't want any false prophets and false leaders out here. There's real leaders like Angela, like Quest, like E. There's a lot of educators and social workers. I feel like those are the real celebrities. Like, we don't need to idolize people just because they are artists or they might have done something great for the community. Um, I think we need to really bridge the gap between art and activism and actually find tangible ways to use the art to feed the community and fund the people. You know, I feel like Hollywood is the same systemic uh, system that, yeah. that, that we're talking about out here. You know, those images and that representation is what feeds the cops the, 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 the bullshit they need to feel like, you know, we're the, the criminals they painted us to be in those same films. And that's why it's a challenge to, like, the actors and the musicians to really watch what they do. And we can't just be so ready to get a bag that we discount. Do everything. We just uh, put uh, these images back we, out there. We're just yeah. feeding the same shit that we say we're fighting against. So there's a direct disconnect right there. And I, I think that needs to be talked about. You know what I'm saying? I think it's being talked about. Right now, we got to hold everybody accountable, including our, our, our leaders, yes. our celebrities, you know what I'm saying, our, our musicians, our actors, our, our artists, because they are documenting what's going on in real life. So we got to make sure it's real. So Kofi was really cool and he really talks about how we need to bridge the gap between celebrity platforms, people who have a platform and people who are doing the work. And I think that's really important because I don't know, I feel like we don't have enough, the people who are doing the work don't have the platform that he has. So his presence there at the protest is very important and it mm -hmm. highlights what these young activists are trying to do. And Really, what these young activists are doing is giving protesters not just a chance to protest, but also a chance to learn. 
And this protest was really felt more so like a protest tour and a protest educational tour at that. So we start off at City Park. From City Park, we walk to Strait University, where that used to be. So Strait University is a historically black college that was founded in 1869, and it operated through 1930 and when it merged with Dillard University. We stop there. They talk about the importance of why we need to invest in Black educational spaces specifically, not just Black, not just invest in schools that have predominantly Black students in them, but invest in schools that were meant to serve Black students, HBCUs. From there, we walk to Congo Square. Congo Square is where they used to have slave auctions. From Congo Square, we walk to the police station. And the protest concluded at the Hard Rock Hotel, which is really important because the Hard Rock Hotel collapsed back in October. And with that collapse, three of the workers, construction workers, died in that hotel. We had a Black man, a Latinx man, and a white man that died. And they were able to retrieve the body of the white worker, but they left the bodies of the Black and Latinx worker in that hotel for months. They are still in that hotel. They have not retrieved the bodies. And New Orleans being such a spiritual place that it is, that is seen as a huge upset, as it should be seen, because anybody who Mm -hmm. dies has the right to be returned to their families. Mm -hmm. And they, for them to be able to do with the body that they see fit and have a service and memorialize that body. Um, those families did not get that opportunity. But it was also really important too to conclude at the Hard Rock Cafe, I mean the Hard Rock Hotel, because Modesto Reyes, he was also somebody who was in the hotel when it collapsed, but he survived. However, in May, he was killed in his car by a police officer. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And the organizer, Melanie, she really talks about the significance of this death, of Reyes, of Reyes' deaths. For my visual learners, we all have to be able to see that if we don't keep standing up to our oppressor and asking the people, demanding the people in power to meet our demands, this is what our community can look like. Come on. A bunch of rules. Let that sink in. That's just in case y'all needed a visual representation. Modesto Reyes worked there. And he survived that. But he couldn't survive being a black man in his cult. Let that sink in. A lot of the immigrant workers are still stuck up there. A lot of members of our communities are still stuck up there. Do you think they give a fuck? Their bodies are still in there. Let that sink in. In showing you guys this, I want to make a call to action. We have to use our platforms, whether it be social media, whether it be the news, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a, a little letter you send out to your friends, whatever it is. We have to use our platforms to continue to advocate and fight for what we need to prosper as a community. It's not right that there's still people up there stuck. And I still couldn't give a fuck to get them 
down. How long all that shit tumble down? We all have to get used to holding each other accountable for keep uplifting our community. To keep asking and demanding what we need to prosper. I just need y'all to see it. And let that sink in. And when I say let that sink in, I don't mean all oh, I remember no. Use it. Learn about it. Educate yourselves about it. That man survived that. You think you could get out of a building doing that? He did. And he died in his car being black. You think that shit okay? No. That wasn't loud enough for me. No. So if he was able to survive that, and God had a plan to keep his life going, after that, his body made it out of that, where other bodies are still stuck, his body made it out. But he couldn't make it out of a, a, a chase with just the past police department. so much Chelsea for giving your account of what happened we know that's not easy and thank you for putting yourself out there sorry you had to go through that but we are very grateful that you get to share this experience with us because people need to know thank and you I'm oh sorry mm -hmm. I just wanted to jump in and just say thank you and just also just say like you know what I did I don't think it's anything in comparison to what these organizers are doing and people who are on the mm -hmm. front front lines okay Right. And we thank them, too, because that takes work, getting all those people together, especially getting some um, people that normally just wouldn't be out. You know, like mm -hmm. you said, you're going and picking up traction. That's great. That's dope. And um, overall, we just wanted to share with our listeners all of this experience because we think it is important that we get on the ground accounts of what happened at these protests and what it looks like from protesters. If we were to believe the police, governors, government officials, and some news outlets, you would think these protests are not organized and are full of people who are using their anger to cause reckless destruction. And yes, we are angry, we are pissed, we are hurt, and we are using it to destroy a system that has continued to oppress and kill Black people 
from its inception. That's what's happening. And that is the threat that causes cops to resort to violence, not the looting and not what Trump would want everyone to believe.